we're back. And uh, so you've been shooting your bow. You've been messing with your sight. You've been doing all this stuff. And now it's the middle of September and you're thinking, what can I do to really dial this in? And we're going to start off with the beginning tuning episode. Um, this is pretty important. Now, my big thing is you don't want to rely on the bow shop to tune your bow. And there's one big reason for that. And the thing that messes people up, remember I said when you, you're shooting great in your backyard, the next day you pick it up and you're not. And you're thinking, well, what changed on my bow? Nothing. I promise you. Well, much. I, I would say a little something may have changed. But I, 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 there's like, uh, I think like when you install a new string, I think you got to fire a couple hundred arrows before you can really start dialing in. Sights, oh, right. No, I'm, you know? I'm talking for the dude that was just out shooting in his backyard. He picks up his bow the next day and something's off. Yeah. Okay. And what I bet is off is your grip. Now, you can't go to the bow shop and have this guy set it up for his grip or have you just set it up with your grip that day and be perfect. Now, I'm starting off the bow tuning episode with grip because grip is the number one thing that changes your tune, even when even if you thought you had it dialed in. Um, you need to get a consistent grip. Now you're, you're, the reason I start saying this now is because you're getting into the next level. You're getting up there. You really want to start dialing this in. Grip is the number one thing. Um, we'll get into in the more expert tuning level episode, uh, about, um, how grip changes and stuff like that. But I guarantee you it changes up, down, left, right changes everything. For me, it changes everything. Cause, uh, I, I just ran into it the other day. Um, it's, I, I realized when I'm letting go of that bow, it's like torquing right, you know, it's like little right, little right. So then I put a little more on like a cup, you know, and kind of keep it, like counteract it, hold it a little softer. I also noticed you can't hold it too soft. So, um, so in the, in the beginner tuning episode, we're just going to do, uh, we can end it with paper tuning, but what we're going to start with is you've, you've kind of got a trained eye now. You've noticed that your arrow Seems like it wants to. St- seems like it's swimming when it first comes off the bow. When I, and when I say swimming, it means like the fletches are moving back and forth. Yeah, left and right. And it looks like the arrow swimming. Now, of course, you don't want that. You want this thing to be coming off as straight as possible the whole time. Now, the number one thing that will affect that is your grip. But the thing that will always affect it is bad tune. And, and then, uh, well, that's the thing with fletchings. Like realistically, fletchings are just to correct a miss tuned bow like a very the fletchings are there to correct a very minuscule amount of arrow travel right they're not there because they have to be if they're if everything was perfect fletchings are not necessary and the more correction it has to do in the beginning the further off your arrow is going to be 60 yards you know further everything so sorry uh um so you've started doing this now you're saying okay um what can I do just standing here? I don't have a paper tuning thing. I don't have, um, you know, bear shafts and stuff like that. I don't really know how to do the bear shaft thing. So you notice that your, your fletches seem to be starting off on the left-hand side. So to me, what that means is that when you shoot your arrow, the arrow is actually coming off what they call weak. So when an arrow is too weak, it wants to wrap around the riser. Now for this is true for a right-handed shooter, you know, which I'm sure the vast majority of you that are listening are going to be right-handed shooters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I mean, everything's just a reverse for lefties. It is completely backwards for lefties. So we'll, with that, we'll move forward and we'll keep talking about it as if you were a righty. So yeah, if your fletches are left, that means the arrow is probably a little weak. Now, if you're catching that fletching position a little too late, um, you might think that it's to the right. But actually, what happened was is your arrow overcorrected, and then you are perceiving the fletches on the right. It happens all the time. It happens to me all the time. Um, so if you're doing that, let me think about this. This is the one that always confuses me. 
So uh, mine, my arrows, I noticed when I let go of it at first, the fletchings will start off on the right. On the right. Yeah, so the arrow comes off, and then... You'll notice that the fletches are on the right. All yeah, right. it comes off and then straightens up like that. So that would mean... Now, I'm talking about this in, re- in recurve terms, but if we remember this, almost like the sides of a ship, starboard yeah, and right. port. Um, Starboard's are right, everybody, just in case somebody... So if you know for a fact that your fletches are coming off to the right... Um, then your arrow is too strong. Now, in the recurve world, that means that you have to change your arrow shaft and you have to make it weaker. You have to make it take the load of the bow more. So okay. if you have a super strong arrow on a recurve, all it's going to want to do is just peel off the side and go left, which means that your fletches are perceived to be right. Yeah, and that's how mine are. Um, so, but if you have an adjustable rest, there's an easy way to do this. You just have to move the rest left or right. So you have to experiment some rests. It changes a little bit, like our dropaway rests. Since they hold the shaft of the arrow longer, um, I kind of get confused on that often. But for the for, like for the majority of the conversation, if you're shooting a whisker biscuit and you perceive your your fletches to the right or it's too strong, that means that your rest is too far out away from your riser. If I'm getting that right, think about that for a second. So, like with memorizing all this stuff, the biggest thing is trying to use your best judgment, move it, and then if it gets worse, go 180 of what you just did. I, I, I don't I don't sweat too much about it. You know, like with paper tuning, it's like, oh, I moved the rest the wrong way. So go back to where you were and then the adjustment the other way and try it. So, I mean, that's the thing is try moving, try moving your rest and just see what happens. Now, I can sit here and theorize about being left or right or which one you should do. But um, just move your rest a little bit. And the other thing, too, when you're moving your rest and trying to get a finite adjustment, a 32nd of an inch goes an immense way. Oh, big time. Big time. This, these are very small adjustments that make a huge difference. Now, the other thing that people run into when they're first starting to adjust their rest is you're thinking, man, I can, I can bomb these things. I really got to really gotta turn my sight down to um, actually get the arrow to go 20 yards. You know, you have to, like, lower your sight to actually get it to go 20 yards. Well, chances are you might have your D-loop too short. Like, you might have your D-loop too down, or you might have your rest too high up. Yeah, and, and I, what I, I doing did this. kind of ramping the arrow up. When we, when we retune or restrung my bow... My D loop was uh, too far up. I had to bring it down. Um, so you you want to make sure that you're you're level enough. Now there's there's parts about your bow if the two limbs were tuned opposite, like not opposite of each other, but if they were tuned indifferently, where one is doing a little bit more work, it'll actually pull your arrow up after you shoot, and then it'll fly out. Okay. So there's all of these things that you got to worry about. But if we're just talking about getting you tuned, we're not worried about messing with the actual bow. We're worried about messing with the rest. Yeah, the this uh, we should make this as little adjustment as possible. Like it makes the biggest difference. So um, you want to just make sure that if you have to adjust like your rest down, that it turns out your D loops either too far down or your rest is too far up. So usually when people are talking about this, they're going to say knock high, knock low. And what they mean is a knock on the arrow. Yeah. The D loop. And then knock know? left, knock right. Yeah. That's, so when knock, think of the back of the arrow, you know, back of the arrow. It's backwards of what you're thinking. So a knock right shot would be actually be too far left of a shot. Right. And then, so you, so if, if I said knock right, you would move the rest to the left. Right. Bingo. So you're talking back of the arrow, but you're making the adjustments at the front of the arrow. So everything that you're like, oh man, the knock's too far right. You move the rest a little left and vice versa. And the situation I was just describing would be a knock low. Right, um, and knock low instead of moving the D loop. I usually just move the rest. So. Now, if you have your most bows have this thing called the burger hole, if you know what I'm talking about, Jim. Um, it's that threaded hole that's in 
It's oh, okay, yeah. Pretty much in the center of the rest. It usually holds either a rest or it's no, you know, it, it does usually hold a rest. It's yeah, like definitely. the center bolt for like the mechanism that holds your rest. Um on the recurves it holds like a plunger button. Right. And that burger hole is meant to be like the center point of your bow. Now the good thing to do uh is to level out your D loop with that burger hole while it's just sitting, like while the arrow's just sitting in the rest. If you have a whisker biscuit. Uh, you just do it like you just knock the arrow. You see if it's level, you know, compared to the riser of the bow. And then if you have a drop away sight like ours, you have to take the string off and then do it because the way the dropper works is that when you pull back on the bow, then the arrow comes up and it's level with the burger hole. So if you're doing it with one of the drop aways, you have to take the string off, let the drop away come up. Or reset it however, like a QAD, you lock right. it in a position. That's a, I guess an upside about the QAD is you can just do that with it sitting there. You don't have to take a string off or whatever. But uh, now there is one easy tuning method that I don't do too often, but I get the value of it. It's called blank bailing. It's where you get lined up like you're shooting a target, but you're actually just shooting a target that's like, I don't know. It, it would be about the length of your arm's distance away from your bow. So you're basically just point blank shooting into this barrel. Now, if you have a good center line and you know which way you were shooting from, you could say, oh, well, my... My knock is right, do this. My knock is left, do that. You'll hear a lot of guys talk about blank bailing. Now, it is more of a recurve thing, but it can still work with compounds. So, Do you want to do it? Maybe it's too technically advanced, but bear shaft? Or do you want to save that for? Well, it's going to be in the expert one. Okay, bear so shaft. We'll, bear shaft tuning is another technique that Pat truly believes in, but we'll save that for the advanced one. And I even got a couple stories to go along with the bear shaft tuning episode. But right now, you're a beginner. You don't have um, the target you know, resources to shoot at. You've just got this little tiny bail. Um, you're not totally confident in uh, how you're going to adjust your arrows and stuff like that. And you're, you don't want to lose them by adjusting stuff too much. Do the blank bail method. See if you are knock right or knock left. Now, if you ever notice with the way we paper tune, uh, we kind of do blank bailing also. Have, have you noticed that? Kind of. Where you'll, if you have a real knock right situation, you get in there and it looks like your arrows just pointed to the left. Yeah, right, right. So now I've also heard they call it center shot. Uh, paper tuning. Uh, the, like, I think what you're calling blank bailing, I, I've heard just the center shot. Like, so you, the arrow is going where you want, but the arrow is crooked when it gets there. Isn't that the center shot? Nah, I, I think that might be something a little different. I was talking to a guy that really believed in, he says paper tuning is good, but you gotta, you gotta measure your center shot. So it's pretty much paper tuning, but from a distance. Oh, th th what I'm talking about is you're not giving the, the fletchings time to correct. Right. Right. So you're you're basically taking a snapshot of what came out right out of the end of your bow. Uh, real quick, just in case somebody's listening that doesn't know what paper tuning is. So paper tuning, you you literally dangle a piece of that construction paper we use that like contractors cover the floor, and it's almost like it's almost like uh, construction paper. Like, yeah, uh, I, I call it construction paper. It's they line the floor with it when they're. It's like a roll of a paper bag. You know, like when you go to Jewel and get the paper bags, the brown paper bags. Yep. It's like a roll of that material. But then you, you fire off. I mean, how how close do you think you would be? Uh, about three feet. The tip of the arrow is three feet. Like when you're when you're fully um, drawn back. Yeah. The, your hand is about three feet from the paper. Okay. Okay. That so yeah, about the tip of the arrow then. Yeah. That's kind of that man. I should I should probably back it up then because I think it was even closer than that. Well, okay. You'll you'll hear guys at the paper tuning thing. Oh, back up. It'll be better. Well, you're, you're, you're defeating the purpose. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me just describe what you're doing. So you stand up. You got this roll of paper in front of you, a target right behind the paper. That right. just, you know, you're no closer than the length of the arrow. 
and you fire through it and you look, there's a hole from the tip of the arrow and then there's a hole from the, there's a mark from the fletchings. It goes through and makes it. So then you look at the point compared to the fletchings and that shows you how crooked I'm going to go. Hopefully this is a video podcast, but that means it's flying like this or like this instead of like that. So you're looking and it's like the fletchings are on that side. Now the fletchings are on that side and the points, but you're what you want the paper tune to be what they call a perfect bullet hole. Bam. So you want, you want the field tip to be right between the fletchings as it goes through the paper. It goes through the paper. You kind of spoke in a German accent there. I liked it. Yeah. You're like, as it goes through the paper. But, um, you just threw me off a little bit here. <laughs> Sorry. So, and so that is the description of paper tuning. Um, so in case we keep saying it, you don't know what it is. That's what it is. I, it, the other thing too, we'll get more me, in depth into it in the next episode. For me too, as the the if you are going to paper tune, do that before you get your sight styled in because they will change after a good flying arrow comes out. It will pick up speed, you'll pick up accuracy, and like so, we said, you're, you're kind of moving away from being the beginner archer, and you really want to get this thing dialed in. But so, if you're playing on paper tuning, I would get that out of the way before you worry about the site. If it was up to me, that's what I do. When I know I got a paper tune, I don't even worry about the site. Yeah, let's just say you know you're you're done with your beginner setup. You you bought a better site. You bought a better rest. Tune the rest before you do anything with the site. Yeah, because you're just gonna have to change. So you'll you'll spend all this. You'll spend a day getting these pins on, and then paper tune. Find out you were way off, and now you're shooting. The, you just picked up eight feet per second, ten feet per second, because you're shooting a good arrow now. And the other thing too, when you go bolt that new rest on, it might look great, but it probably won't be. Now I put new strings and I completely changed uh, my older bow uh, back this winter, and I eyeballed everything. And I was super close. So eyeballing goes quite a long way. I agree. I, I got mine pretty close by eyeballing too. Holding holding the arrow up and looking at it. And you're like, that's pretty even. Or it's like yeah. all the way over. Like le- level way. with the burger hole in the rest. And yeah. then uh, your arrow is like um, parallel with your sight pins. Uh, and people say, oh, it full drawn, all this stuff. Of course, those add variables. But if you have a well-tuned bow, and I'm talking like the limbs are tuned to each other really well. And they're doing the same amount of work when the arrow comes off. Eyeballing is like the easiest thing to do and it gets you close-ish so is that it for the beginner tune it for the beginner tune remember blank bailing um when you're doing it you have to have your level you have to have your arrow shaft level and you have to be perfectly perpendicular to your target because then if you don't do those two things whatever the blank bail tells you is going to be kind of wrong don't get too into details where that was a nice finish there yeah all right so uh so that anything else that they have to do and get whatever i was thinking do you should they get a bow square is a bow square something they should invest in for this or no 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 i'm, I'm gonna say if you're shooting a compound no if you're shooting a recurve it's absolutely necessary. oh yeah you can't do it without but i didn't so, know i didn't know with uh if a square would help with this rest you know a square would help if you're um tying on the d loop yourself and for definitely people, definitely if you're doing the d loop yourself you need one um but for this uh, not so much okay so so anyway did you uh did you notice i'm growing the deer beard now i'm gonna look like you soon oh i was gonna shave mine really i i was just i, I don't shave it like completely down i just trim it oh okay yeah but we're, we're not truly entering deer season yet so yeah, I'm growing mine. It's starting to come in. I've been at it about a week but d- now. But don't be don't be totally into beard mode, and then when the deer season comes around, you're like, man, I got to shave this thing because that's bad luck. Uh, no, I'm hoping to get used to it. So okay, but I'm growing it. I, I I thought you were gonna. I thought you were doing the same thing. I, I think we going. should both go down to the same level, no matter what level it is. We should go down. No, to the I'm same on level. it now. So you got to come down to my level. I'm I'm a week into this, and I'm going for it. So. Kel says, I'll, Kel says she gives it a week, and it'll be off. You know. Wow. This is just laziness for me. I don't really like having a beard, but. So that's it? That's it. Thanks, Pat.